How you doing today? Good. Hey, it's good to see you. You know, I was, I was sitting there last Sunday morning during service listening to Reggie Dabbs and then watching with what God did in the services. And I was thinking, I'm sure glad I'm not following that today. Uh, so you've had a week to kind of settle down so I can come back to, to do what I do in teaching God's Word. We had such a great day last week. I'm, I'm going to tell you, God's working, and, and this is the cool part. Children, teenagers, young adults, adults, God's doing things, friends. God's working, and I'm so excited that we get to be a part of what God is doing in this valley. So thank you for being here today. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to dive into Psalms 37. I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to read a few verses. Psalms 37. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll have verses on the screen. I want to talk to you today, and I want to continue next week in a little different vein, talking about simplifying your faith. Simplifying your faith. How many of you know sometimes we get so much stuff in our heads and so many questions, we make faith and walking with God really tough? Because we get, we get distracted with a lot of things. I'm going to share some things today that I think will help simplify a journey of faith. So in my introduction, before we get into Psalms 37, let me just share a couple thoughts. Faith is a product of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Faith creates action in response to God's Word. Faith is not really a noun, it's a verb, it's an action word. Faith creates an action in response to God's word, an act of faith. This faith action response to God creates a path of life. Jesus taught this. Jesus said that there are really two paths in life. There's a path of the godly, path of the ungodly. There's a wide way where you just go do whatever you want to do. And then there's this narrow path where God defines for us, this is what I want for your life. So we have to make decisions in life that will either feed our faith or it will shrink our faith. And this path of life becomes our lifestyle. And you know, I, I think for most of us, and there may be some more on this list, but let me just real quickly break this down for you. I think as people, we've got four basic needs that we have, and especially as believers. Number one, we want security. Number two, we want to live a, a fulfilled life, a life of fulfillment. Number three, we want to live life with a sense of direction of where I'm going and what I'm doing. And the fourth thing, in life, we want to live in peace. And the beautiful thing is, if we stay on God's path, He brings those things into our lives. And as you study God's Word, and we're going to see this in Psalms 37, this path of life comes with life principles. Everybody say principles. It comes with life principles. We find them in God's Word. The path of life has principles, and it also has promises. And following God's principles keep us on the path of life. And as we stay on that path of life, it brings fulfillment of God's promises. So there's principles and there are promises. If we live by the principles, we obtain the promises. You know, in Psalms 37, I won't read this verse this morning, but towards the latter part of the chapter, David makes this statement in his writing. He wrote this as his testimony. 
He says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of path I want to walk, where I see God involved in every day of my life and in all that I do. And I believe that's the path to which God has called us. So the question this morning is, how do I get on that path? How do I stay on that path? Let's look at Psalms 37. Look at some principles and promises this morning. Psalms 37, verse 3. Here's the first principle. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now think about those words. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, dwell in the land that God has given you and feast on his faithfulness. In order to really understand this first principle today, I think we need to look at the word trust. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? If I tell you today that one of the keys to really being on the pathway and walking with God and living a life of faith is to trust God, what does it mean to trust God? In the original writings, that word trust means to run to someone or run to something for refuge. You know, some of us want to be tough. Some of us want to act tough. The truth of the matter is there are times in life where we need some place to run, someone to run to who's bigger than we are, who's bigger than the circumstances we face. And God says in his word, I want you to trust me. When he says, I want you to trust me, that doesn't just mean take my word for granted. It means run to me. Put your faith into action. Run to me. Put all of your confidence in me and just see what I will do. Trust me. Every one of us in our lives, we trust someone. We trust something. For some of us, it's ourselves. For some of us, it's family members, friends, maybe parents, maybe it's kids, a brother, a sister. Might be your best friend. Might be your financial advisor or your banker. Might be your attorney. I don't know who you're trusting today, but I know one thing. The psalmist said in Psalms 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. If you want to trust somebody who will never let you down, if you want to run to someone for refuge who can cover any situation you're dealing with, you need to put your trust in God and run to him. God says, run to me. Whatever is going on in your life, whether it's big, whether it's small, run to me and see how big I will be. Now, let me ask the question this way. When you run into trouble... Who's your first call? When you run into something that's bigger than you are, you grab that telephone. Who do you call? That's where your trust is. Before you start calling everybody else in town, everybody else you know, do you run to God first? When trouble comes, where do you run? I've learned in my lifetime, and and I'll be honest with you, it's taken me a few years You know, now that I've hit midlife, it's taken me a few years to get to the place where I realize when trouble comes, before I react, before I respond, before I call out to anybody else, I stop and say, God, help me. I'm not sure what to do with this. 
We need to learn to run to God first and trust Him. So if I look at this verse and I, and I refine the words and define it a little bit differently, here's what God is saying. Run to me and follow me closely. And you'll find that I am faithful. The only way you're going to know if God is faithful is to trust him. She would say, okay, God, you prove yourself faithful and I'll trust you. God says, no, the only way you find out if I'm faithful is to trust me. Run to me and just see what I will do. Now, with all of these points this morning, the the four things I'm going to share, I got to tell you, it, it takes faith to trust in God. You have to believe his word. Your heart has to be wrapped around it to the point that this word will not fail. So I'm going to trust God because he cannot lie. He can't do anything but tell the truth. And he's honoring his word. He's faithful to his word. So it takes faith. It takes faith to trust God. One of the most common enemies to trust is control. I'm not going to stay here long, but I am going to stay here for just a moment. It's amazing how many of us have to live life controlling everything. Come on, smile at me. Some of you are getting it in the ribs right now from your spouse. Some of us got to be able to control it. If we can't control everything, we're not going to be happy. That's why a lot of Christians are never happy. That's why a lot of Christians grow in God to a certain point, but they're not willing to turn loose of this and turn loose of this and run to God. They have to hold on to things and control it. Let me tell you something. If you're a control freak, you'll always have trouble trusting God. Give me big smiles. Come on. Let me hear you smile. No, I don't want to... Not, not, not clap. Let me hear you smile. There you, there you go. It interferes with my trust in God. And you know, there's an old expression... When it comes to life, we just need to let God have the wheel. Let him have the wheel. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. God's promise is, if you will trust me, get this. If you will trust me, he said, and I'm going to rephrase it because it's this way in a different translation. If you'll trust me, you can live in my pasture. You know what he's saying? There's real security in me. See, we we try to control things because we want to provide security for ourselves. There are some things you cannot provide security for. Only God can be your security. And in order for that to happen, i got to trust Him. And when I trust God and put things in His hands, He becomes responsible for what's going on in my life. I'll get into more of this later. But I'm going to tell you something. I may not be the smartest guy in the room. Well... Yeah, I'm probably not. I may not be all that smart, but I'm going to tell you something. I've lived my life in God's pasture, and it's a good place to live. Boy, God takes good care of his children. Psalms 23, he's my shepherd. If he's your shepherd, trust him. Live in his pasture. Everything you'll ever need in life, even in the most difficult times, he'll provide it for you. So, last part of this. How do I respond? Maybe today you're sitting in this room and you're saying, man, I, I, need, I need more security in my life. I, I, I've got all these things going on. I feel so insecure. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. 
Maybe right now there's some things in your heart that are turning over and over and you're realizing, man, I, there's some stuff I haven't given to God. Give it to him before you leave this place today. Trust him. Let him be God in your life. Number two, second principle. After we trust the Lord, Psalms 37 verse 4 says this. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Boy, I've heard that verse quoted so many times and used in so many different ways. And I think because of the English wording of this, some of us really don't understand what it's saying. Well, delight yourself in the Lord. Okay, to delight myself means, oh, I'm just delighted. Delighted about God. So as a result, I'm, I'm, I'm so delighted about you. You're going to have to give me everything that I want. That's how we interpret that. But the word delight really means to become pliable. It means to become clay in the hands of God. Delight yourself. Become pliable like clay in the hands of God. And as God begins to mold you and shape you, all the things that are of God and good that are in your heart, God will bring those things to pass. You know, when, when Jesus responded to his disciples one day and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. The first part of the Lord's Prayer, as soon as you give God praise and recognize him as your heavenly father, Jesus said, begin your prayer this way. Your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. One of the challenges we have in life is we don't always delight in God. We don't always become pliable in the hands of God because we think that we know best. And what we know on earth is better than what God knows in heaven. Now, you would say, oh, no, that's not true. But yet, isn't it true sometimes in life we say, God, when are you going to hurry up and do what I want you to do? Maybe the reason why God hasn't done what you want him to do is because he has a better idea. And he's waiting for you to say, okay, God, I trust you. Now, I'm going to become pliable. I'm going to delight in you and just let you mold and shape and work and make me what you want me to be so that what's in my heart will be pure and the way forward will become clear to me. You see, if I will become pliable in God's hands, he will lead me into a personal path of purpose fulfillment and you know I think a lot of us go through life and we really live with mistaken identity because we don't know who we are we don't know what God wants us to be because we're so busy telling God what we want to be we're so busy telling God what to do how to be God how to answer our prayers how to do this how to do that and our prayer life just becomes a great big complaint list God don't want you to do this because you haven't done this and you haven't when do you win and win 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 and we get to this place where we get discouraged in our walk with God because we've missed the beginning points first we trust God and then we become pliable in his hands and let it begin to mold and shape this is really good it's good and, and see I, I had to learn this as a young man a young man heading into ministry, I had to lay down a lot of stuff and realize, well, those aren't necessarily bad plans, but they're not God plans. Because God has some better ideas. And I'm going to tell you something. If I will become pliable in the hands of God, he'll purify my heart and he'll put the right desires there that align with my purpose and my fulfillment in life. 
I said it about trust, I'll say it about being pliable. It takes faith to become clay in the hands of God. Boy, it takes big faith. To let God begin to mold and shape and make adjustments and say, eh, you don't need this and you don't need this, but I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that. Let me tell you something. God never takes things out of our lives, but what he doesn't turn around and replace it with something better. That's how he works. Better desires, better things. And the promise that God makes is fulfillment. I mentioned earlier, everybody wants to be fulfilled in life. A lot of us are struggling for fulfillment because we've never become pliable in the hands of God and ask God, why did you create me? What is my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do with my life? What's supposed to happen with me? And we get wrong desires mixed in there and we're so busy trying to get God to do the wrong things and God's just not going to do it. We need to stop and be pliable in the hands of God and say, God, make me what you want me to be. Put the right things in my heart. He will bring a satisfying life. He'll create a satisfying life for us if we'll become pliable in his hands. You know, we say this around here all the time. God has better plans for me than I have for myself. It's true. But if I don't become pliable, I never find those plans and those purposes. You know, in all my life, I've, I've, I've been through really four stages of ministry. And in those four stages of ministry, I've always had plans. I've entered every one of those seasons with plans. And somewhere along the line, I had to stop and say, okay, God, I thought I had this figured out. What's your plan? I found God's plans are better than mine. So I need to be pliable in the hands of God. You want fulfillment in life? You want to live a life that you're proud of and you come to the end of the journey and you feel like, man, I've lived life well. You want to reach that place? You've got to become pliable in the hands of God. When I was 19 years old, I had an encounter with God. And it, it wasn't one of those earth-shaking moments when God just showed up in the room and the curtains began to move and the, and the paint began to peel off the wall. It wasn't anything like that. It happened in the, at an altar at the end of a church service on a Wednesday night. But I'd come to a place where I realized the plans of my heart at 19. I had some good plans and I was on a good path. But I realized at 19 years of age that the plans I had were a little empty. That I felt God had something more. And I remember the night I, I, I sat down at the altar down there and got down on my knees and began to pray. And it was a simple prayer. I wasn't, wasn't all emotional about it. I just said, God, I got good plans, but I, I got a sense you've got better plans. You know, there's an old song we used to sing when I was a kid. I haven't heard it in years and years. But it became the prayer of my heart. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. While I'm yielded, peaceful and still. Let me tell you something. If you'll become clay in the potter's hands, God will create the best life you could ever imagine he's waiting on you number three third thing look at verses five and six of psalms 37 third principle commit your way to the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as 
the noonday. Third principle, commit. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, let's take a minute and, and, and define some words here. The word commit means to roll something off of yourself, to roll it away onto someone else. Roll your way. The way refers to the path of life, the roads, the freeway, the avenue, the interstate, whatever word you want to use. When we roll our ways onto God, we're stopping and we're saying, God, I don't know the best way forward from here, but you do. So I'm going to roll my future onto you, and I'm going to let you guide my footsteps. Commit. Commit. It says commit and trust the Lord. Commit your ways to him and trust him. We've already talked about trusting him. But commit your way to him. Do you ever get up in the morning and pray the prayer, God, guide my footsteps today. Jesus told us to pray that way. Not only did he say for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's in heaven, let it come into earth in my life. He went further in that prayer and he said, pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead me away from the wrong paths. Lead me into the right paths. You can't go to church once a week or twice a month or once a month and never have encounters with God without giving your paths to him and see blessings. You gotta every day say, God, guide my footsteps. Lead me on the right pathway today. And you know, as, as believers, I, I thought about this a lot this week. As believers, a lot of us struggle with prayer because we really don't understand prayer. We we feel like we're talking out into empty dark space. Well, I just Looked on the screen there and noticed I got my summer haircut yesterday. It looks good, doesn't it? <laughs> got a little short on the sides, but I guess. It... <laughs> really, really got it short on top, but that, that's besides the fact. What was I saying? You know, some of us struggle with prayer. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with prayer is because we tend to think answered prayer is about the right time. Okay, God, I, I need you to answer in the next two days. Okay, God, I've got one day left. Okay, God, i got six more hours, God. And if God doesn't show up in our time, we retract our faith and we stop believing God to answer that prayer. And here's the problem. I think oftentimes... Prayer is not about an appointed time. It's about us getting to an appointed place. Because when I get to the appointed place, the answer is there waiting on me. You see, if I'm living in God's pasture, I got to know at dinner time, dinner will be there. But if I'm not following God and I'm out somewhere where I'm not supposed to be, sometimes what I'm praying for is waiting there, but I'm not there. This is good. It's really good. Prayer, answered prayer, it's not always about the time. It's oftentimes about the appointed place. Oh, I'm believing in God's time. He's going to answer my prayer. Then keep walking God's pathway because it's not about time. It's about you being at the right crossroads. And when you get there, your provision is going to be there. 
to refine this verse a little bit, what it says is, roll your life decisions onto the Lord. Do you consult God about all your decisions? Roll your decisions onto the Lord. Roll those worries, those concerns, those cares onto Him. And He will establish your path, your ways, and your decisions. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, your paths, your decisions, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. That's His promise. God will lead you to the right places. And you know, it, it takes faith. It takes faith to roll things off onto God. It takes faith because it's like, well, I lose control and, 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 and I'm in this desperate place. No, you're not. You're in a safe place. When you're trusting God, when you're rolling things on Him, you're in a safe place. I don't talk about this a lot, but from time to time I mention this. You know, at, at 50 years of age, I started life over. And I learned something. I, I knew this from my younger years, but starting life over after a lot of things happened that I never expected, I learned that if I'll stay on God's path, He will take responsibility for my journey. If I stay on God's path, he takes responsibility for my journey. And then he begins to make things happen. Roll it on to God. Trust his ways. The promise, the promise he makes in this verse. If I'll commit my ways to him, he will bring direction into my life. He was pastoring a church. There are days when I look at what's going on around me, I think, God, where do we go next? What do we do now? best thing we can do in those moments is roll it on God, commit it to Him. He'll show us the way. He'll direct our footsteps. And as we take those steps of faith, God will provide everything that we need in this life. That's His promise to us. He'll give us direction. One of the songs we sing here at the church, <clears throat> and, and I love it, it's based on Psalms 23.6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We sing it, his goodness is running after, running after me. You know what, if I stay on God's path, look over my shoulder, his goodness is right there behind me. It's with me everywhere I go. And it's not going to slack away. It's going to run after me and stay up with me. As fast as I can run with God, his goodness and mercy will always be there. That's the kind of God that he is. So, let me ask you, you need direction today? If you're sitting here today saying, man, I've got something I don't know what to do with. Roll those things unto God. Let him help make your decisions. If you want the right path, let God help you make your decisions and stay on a path of faith. Number four, last thing. I'm almost finished. Somebody said, hallelujah. <laughs> Number four, look at verses seven and eight. This, this one really gets good, okay? The last one. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't you love that? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You see, sometimes we look at people around us and say, God, I don't understand. It's not fair. That person, they're not even trying to follow you. And look at them. They're running down the road and all this good stuff's happening. God, what's wrong? God, where are you? 
know what the Lord usually says? Just get still. Just wait. Just go to, just rest. God, I can't rest. There's too much at risk here. God knows that. Look what it says in verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. When you read that word rest, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. In the original writings, it means to stop and to be dumb. How many of you say, well, I got the second, I got the second part. I got that taken care of. It means to rest and be dumb. Just say, you know what? God, I've trusted you. I've done all I know to do. I've trusted. I've become pliable in your hands. I have committed and rolled things onto you. That's all I know to do. God says, okay, then, just rest. Just rest. Wait patiently. Rest. Wait patiently. In the original writing, do you know what it means? It means to whirl around in a circle like this. I don't want to do it too many times. I'm, but you get the picture. That means you're not going here, there, 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 there. You may be whirling, but you're standing in that one place. You're waiting on God. And as you study through Scripture, here's what you find in the Old Testament about the word wait. The word wait doesn't mean this. Doesn't mean kill time, waste time. The word wait means to wrap yourself around God and His Word and let Him bring it to pass. Because we get on the clock, but God's not on our clock. We're about time, He's about places. And God says, just rest, be still, stop, whirl around for a minute, just, just stand right there, run in place if you have to. But just intertwine yourself. With the promises that I've made to you. You know, there's a verse the psalmist wrote that says, Be still and know that I'm God. You know what that really says? God says, Be still and I'll prove that I'm God. If you'll get still for a few minutes, God will prove He's God. Man, I'm speaking to somebody who wants to run so fast, you can't wait for me to say, Heads bowed and eyes closed, because you're going to run for the door. You go, well, I got plans today. You need to stop because God's talking right now. You need to hear what he's saying. It's really good. I'm getting a lot of amens down front. Am I getting any amens up high in the cheap seats? Okay, just want to make sure. You know, it, it takes faith to rest in the Lord. It takes faith to wait patiently for him. But I love the warning he gives us. Stop, rest, wait patiently. But then he gives us this warning. You know what? Don't get caught up with what's happening with other people. Don't compare yourself to others. Forsake anger. Don't get angry. Don't get... I got all, all out of sorts this, this week. Not you. Yeah, me. I, I got all out of sorts. Because I, I needed some answers. I got so frustrated. I've been waiting since Tuesday for a phone call to solve some problems for me. This guy's supposed to call me back, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And by the time Friday got around, ah, you know what, don't worry about it, we'll get to it on Monday. And I'm like, Ugh! I was frustrated for hours, and my wife said, what's wrong with you? Don't you hate it when your wife says, what's wrong with you? Because my answer is always, well, what's wrong with you? 
And so I sat down and thought, what is wrong with me? I was angry. I was frustrated because I'm on the clock and this guy is not coming through. And finally, I said, okay, God, I, I, I just got to roll this thing on you. I'll wait till Monday. That's 48 more hours, you know. <laughs> Roll it on God. Roll it on God. Wait. And you know, boy, I, I hope somebody gets this today. In order to live godly lives, we've got to learn to view life as a marathon, not a sprint. Slow down. We have to have a godly determination that says, I'm in it for the long haul. Did you ever hear somebody say, yeah, I tried Christianity, it didn't work for me? Well, they didn't try faith. They didn't try committing to God. They didn't try trusting God. They didn't try rest, resting in God. They didn't try being pliable in God's hands. They just basically said, okay, God, change my life overnight, and if it doesn't work, I'm out of here. And God said, okay, fine. See, there's a pathway to walk. It's a pathway of faith. You get on God's path and you stay. You say, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And when this life is over, it gets better in the next life. That's the way we live. Psalms 46.10, be still. I'll prove to you that I'm God. Ephesians 6, take up the whole armor of God. And when you've done all you can, just stand. Stand still. God's got it. God's got it. He'll take care of it. And here's the last part of this. One of the things that we need in life is peace. God said, if you'll stop and rest and wait patiently, I'll keep you in peace. I'll put my peace into your life. But just stop. Roll all that stuff on me and then just wait patiently. God promises peace to us. Psalms 37, later on this chapter, verse 37, he says this, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. You know what I love about that? Now that I'm in midlife, I wonder, well, what about the rest of my life? It's going to be a life of peace. I'm going to stay in God's pasture. Safe place to be, best place there is. It's a life of peace. Why do we struggle so much to find this place of rest and peace? It's usually because I haven't learned to trust God, to delight in God, and commit everything to Him. You need peace today? Roll it on God. Trust Him. Just be still and let it work. He knows what He's doing. He knows what he's doing. There's a process to this peace. Philippians 4 says we pray about it, we give God praise, and then we watch in his peace, which surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. God will keep us in peace. So finally today, you need security? Trust the Lord. You need fulfillment? Be pliable in God's hands. You need direction? Roll your decisions and your paths onto him. You need peace? 
After you've done all that, just be still. Let him be God. You'll find all these things on the path of faith. Bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. Father, so much truth in these four simple words today. So much promise. There's, there are principles, then there are promises. And God, for people across this room, there's probably something that hit home for every one of us, but maybe for some people it's even more than one thing. Maybe for some it's all four. I don't know. But God, I pray right now in this moment that we would stop. We would trust. We would become pliable. That we would commit and roll things onto you. Then we would just rest in you and let you work. God, whatever it is you need to do in our lives today, right now let the Spirit of God take this word, this message, drill it home and bring us to a place of decision in you. As we wait for just a moment, Father, speak to every one of us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Whatever God's speaking to you today, now I want you to make a determination. I'm going to respond to this in faith. I'm going to do what God tells me I need to do. That's my act, my response of faith. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've listened to this message and thought, wow, four things. I need all four of those things. God has those things for you. But it's the life of faith. It's the life with Christ that brings us into those things. Maybe you've never committed your life to God. Maybe you've never come to that place of trust where you receive Christ as your Savior and you start that journey of allowing Him to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't, this is a good time to start right now. So I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to give everybody here the opportunity to wrap your heart around Him and just trust Him as your Savior and your Lord. So, Pray with me today. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we need you. We ask for your help today. We ask forgiveness of our sin. The things that have separated us from you, we pray you'd forgive us. We want to get on the path of life and the path of faith. So I pray in Jesus' name today, as you forgive us, that you would allow Jesus to become our Savior. That you would allow Jesus to become the Lord of our lives. That as we get on this pathway, you would make the pathway clear day by day by day. And you would show up and you would be on this journey of faith every day of our lives. God, we commit our lives to you. We give our lives back to you and we ask for your help. From this moment forward, you're our God and our Father. I'll be your child. Work in my life. I'll trust you. I'll follow you. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two things before we go. Number one, if you prayed that prayer today, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray from your heart. If you mean that, God heard that prayer, you can begin that journey right now. But here's the thing. It's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. It's the start, not the finish. We want to help you get that journey started. We have a little booklet, simple tool called The Next Seven Days. It's really simple reading. It's just a little bit of reading each day for the next week. We want to put it in your hands. When service is over in just a couple minutes, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. If you've got questions, if, you've got, if you want prayer for something going on in your life, they'll pray with you. 
As a matter of fact, if you're anyone here today with any need, these teams will pray with you and God answers prayer. Now, if you're in a really big rush today, out in the middle of the lobby as you exit where the glass doors are, right in the center there, there's a counter set up at the screen the next seven days. You can stop by there if you're in a big hurry and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen how you can receive an electronic copy. We'd love to get that to you. Okay, last thing. Uh, you know, week by week, we always take a moment to worship God with our giving. And when we do this, we always like to thank you for your faithfulness. We realize you trust what God is doing here. You trust us as a church to do what we ask you to give, that we do with it what we ask you to do, um, or what we, what we tell you we're going to give it for. One of the things that, that we did a few weeks ago, we received some special offerings from missions to help our missions partners. So we're going to be sharing over the next several weeks from time to time some of the things that are happening. So here's one really cool thing. This is outside the boundaries of what we normally think about on Sunday morning. But listen to this. One of the partners that we work with is Christine Kane's ministry, A21. And they're committed. Yeah, good stuff. They're committed to helping abolish 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And this organization, we've seen it firsthand when we were in Greece a few months ago at their invitation. It's amazing what they're doing here. It's very difficult to get convictions. It's very difficult to work this through the legal process. It takes a lot of time, a lot of work. But listen to this. This past month, A21 assisted the Greek National Police on a major operation that resulted in 22 arrests and the freedom of 51 trafficking victims. Is that awesome or what? I mean, praise God for that. Now, like I said, we got to see this operation up close. It's amazing. But here's, here's the, the cool part. That the police announced that they had, in this operation, dismantled an international sex trafficking ring. And the cool thing is, A21 comes alongside these people, especially the young women, and they help them get on their feet, get them trained to do a regular job, and when they are open spiritually, they lead them to Christ and lead them into the life God has for them. So it's really cool, man. And I want you to know, you through your giving have had a part in that. So thank you. Our giving is making a difference in our world. So there are different ways you can give. If you've got a, a gift in hand today, a check or cash, whatever you want to do, put it in an envelope on the back of the seat, the seat backs. As you go out the doors here from the auditorium, on each side there's a giving station. Out by the children's check-in, there's a station there. As your pastor, I just want to say I love you. Thank you for being so generous. It's been a great day in church with you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.